Hello and welcome to the Castaway Pop Punk Vinyl Podcast. Each week I ask my guests which three albums and one book they would take with them if they were stranded on a desert island. So sit back, relax and enjoy two people randomly talking about the music they love. Okay Tom, shut the fuck up! Okay! Here we go! Hello everyone, welcome to the fourth edition of the Castaway Pop Punk Vinyl Podcast. This week I'm joined by friends of mine. These guys actually... I don't think they know this, but they played a huge influence uh, on me growing up as a kid musically and the stuff I was writing when I was in a band. I've played in bands alongside these guys and I also briefly played a small part in the band The Over Everythings, which was founded by these guys. So I'm uh, really delighted to be joined by Joe, Chris and Jamie. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Hey, man. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah. How are you guys? We're okay. Good. Good. Just okay. Getting by. Crazy. Can be after months of isolation. Mm. <laughs> and it's I'm like not... it's a Tuesday night, isn't it? So we're all a bit tired. <laughs> so I mentioned the over everything's briefly. Is that band still alive? Is it still happening? Have you got anything in the pipeline? Yes. So, so we uh, we put out our first album in 2016. It was called No Solidarity. And uh, it like in the process of writing, it became a half a concept album uh, about a character called Hannah, uh, which we enjoyed. And then in the in the intervening years, we started to try and play it live, and realised it was too hard for us to play live. <laughs> and, uh, really find a drummer who can actually play the thing. Uh, and then so in the process, we started writing our second album. Like we finished writing our second album, pretty much which is looking like it's going to be called No Feeling. And it's like another concept album about some other characters because we really like concept albums. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we've only ever written songs about pointless crap before, but these two records have like addressed, like trying to look at like the latest one is set in a dystopian future where the world has all gone to shit due to climate change you know capitalism running riot and destroying everybody and it's set in that era that's what it's all about and it's very exciting <laughs> no. i think something changed from what basically me and jamie went to a gig and got pissed and decided we wanted to start a skate punk band and that was, <laughs> that was pretty much the beginning and end of the conversation in terms of what we aimed for it to be we just wanted to do something that sounded a bit like no effects or something and it wasn't until uh joe started writing the songs and the whole concept thing came up it was like oh actually this has got more legs than i thought and uh and especially with the second record it's now yeah it's definitely sort of becoming its own thing rather than just a sort of homage to all the bands that we wanted to rip off on the first record basically yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it definitely started as like a file share project between me and chris who've like known each other for a really long time and, and played in bands together for a, for a long time as well um but we'd never really scratched that itch before and then we were just we went to a gig i think it was hives uh we are scientists and pup yeah. um what a lineup yeah, and we missed Pup because <laughs> we were <laughs> and they were like the main reason we went. But anyway, um, <laughs> we just got to talking about it and uh, we're both pretty bored at the time, I think. So we started to 
I started to send Chris stuff and he would drum on it and it was just like exactly what I was expecting him to send back to me. <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely evolved from that into something like way beyond that, especially since uh, Joe got involved and Joe, you know, did a lot of writing on the for the second record. I yeah. remember, I, I remember um, so for those listening who don't know, I was in the Over Everything's briefly um kind of during the writing of the no solidarity album and i was in latvia with a mate and i got a text from joe and i've i've grown up with joe but not like in a close friendship way just we've always been in school together and i've uh as odd as this might sound joe and i don't want to be weird but i always looked up to you and a lot of people did in the couple of years below like borderline were like the band to aspire to be so then joe messaged me on on uh, facebook saying we need a bass player our bass player is no longer available can you play bass for the band that I'm in, I was like, I don't play bass, I don't own one. <laughs> but definitely. And then he sent me the and then he sent me the songs and it's like one and a half minute, million miles an hour skate punk music. And I was like, fuck, I've committed to this. And now I've got <laughs> And then I'm borrowing Chris's bass. Chris has to like lend me a bass and give it to me to keep. And uh, it was just so awkward. It was just it like it was such good fun because the music was so good and I'm playing with a guy that like I've always loved vocally and like lyrically it was amazing um but as kind of time went on the band kind of went its own way a little bit and then it kind of fizzled out I live probably like an hour away from you guys anyway so I feel like that was always going to happen but it was definitely fun to be a part of briefly but certainly I think Joe you said a moment ago that you've always written quite pointless stuff I'd, I'd disagree with that I reckon the stuff you've always been writing has been very poignant and meant a lot to the people at the time but certainly the album no solidarity was like a whole new level of like lyrically it was really clever conceptually it was really clever it was really on point of what was happening at the time so i for one am really excited about the next album coming because if it's anything like no solidarity and i'm i'm sure you guys think it's probably better it should be really good i'm excited for it do you have any idea of when it's coming mm. well, that's a million dollar question <laughs> <laughs> We'll need to finish um, recording it. So it's all, it's all written and it's all been like, it's all been written for a while. And be, be, being is that it's, it's a much uh, like tighter concept this time, as in there's like a through narrative that sort of begins and ends. So I, I, I wrote a lot of it at home because at the time I was trying to just like learn how to record at home. And, um, and I ended up just, whizzing through it quite quickly mm -hmm. and then it was done and it was done maybe God, maybe two years ago like I probably did the last demos and then you know it just in the in exactly the same way as the earlier stuff was recorded it would be pinged around and Jamie would have bits to it and Chris would have bits to it and it and the, the demos took shape but we've like tried a couple of times to get it recorded and we've started and, and we, I think we've got I think we've got the formula now for how we want to record I think that the problem with recording anything remotely and like with the first record i don't think we over fought it too much because it was just like well this is how we're going to do it like we didn't really have any expectation of like a level that we wanted to record it to and it ended up coming out way better than we ever thought it would and like um like i mean we even managed to get it mastered by uh scott halquist who uh who i i'd met that year anyway just by complete chance really um and like he I, I played some of the stuff to him and uh he plays guitar in a band called 10 foot pole who i've been into since i was about 14 years old so like 
when he said about mastering it I was just kind of like okay well this is already like that kind of put pressure on to make it sound half decent at that point because I was yeah. like well I can't <laughs> I can't <laughs> send an album off to be mastered by someone in 10 foot four and not make it sound legit yeah um whereas yeah so like we kind of set the bar with it kind of unintentionally mm. and then this time around we did want to do it a bit more organically like we wanted to record more of it in the room together we didn't want it to just be a remote recording project and then lockdown happened so it was kind of like it it became like a re remote project by default at that point but yeah. now it, it sort of took long enough that it's now not again <laughs> so yeah. um but we kind of yeah we're kind of at the stage now where we're actually sort of getting getting the tracking done and getting it done to a level where we're all really really pleased with so yeah yeah so once it's recorded, you know, it just, we live in a world now where it's just done and then it can exactly, yeah. So like, it's not like the labels are queuing up with their uh, large promotion campaigns. Or anything <laughs> yeah. like that. So, where are we going to see billboards? <laughs> uh, yeah. No. So yeah, once it's recorded, um, it will be out in the world in somewhere or another, but um, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really good. I think it's going to be really good. It'll be next Excited year, won't it? It'll be around by next year. Or not yeah. by next year, during twenty twenty. <laughs> at some point, it'll be about. Well, I'll I'll definitely um, share it, shout about it when it's out. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be looking you. out for it. So at the risk of this turning into a me wanting to know what you guys are up to personally, <laughs> the point of this podcast is that you guys have been, for some reason, stranded on a desert island. No one really knows why. Joe's gone, probably to the desert. Oh, really? oh pizza's there. Pizza's right. <laughs> People listening in their car, uh, what have you got? Domino's? Um, so uh, we've gone with Papa John's. Jamie oh, and I are just sharing a margarita, but Chris's wife, Stacey's, bought us some, some kitchen to wipe our hands with afterwards, which is just beautiful. Isn't that lovely? Where should we put it? Should we set it down? Should we set it down? That's very sweet. You can, eat, you can eat that as we go. I don't want it going cold. Okay. I'll just let Chris answer all the questions. <laughs> yeah. So as I was saying, you guys have randomly, for some reason, ended up on a desert island and you've been given three albums to listen to for the rest of your lives. So the, the point is you tell everyone what three albums you've chosen and why you've chosen them. And it kind of gives a bit of a, an insight into the music that influenced you growing up. So album number one on your desert island, what have you chosen? Yeah, so the way we've done it, it's slightly different from, I think, the way some other guys have done it yeah. so far, episodes that we've done before. We kind of got together and said, let's kind of do it as a band and try and pick three that uh, kind of influenced us the most when we were putting this band together. And uh, and like the kind of common threads that we have from the music that we were listening to growing up anyway. So I like it. Should first, should we say the first one is You're cool, man. Let's say let's let's start with the one that I know Kins will love, which is Green Day. Uh and we've gone for Insomniac uh as our as our first choice. Great. That is uh probably been, probably my second favourite Green Day album. Oh that's cool, man. What's your what's your first? Um it's a toss up between Kaplunk and Dookie because Kaplunk was the first Green Day album I ever listened to so that it has this nostalgic attachment to me that I can't shake ever 
yeah. And then Dookie is just, um, I don't know, like every song I just love completely. But then equally, I kind of feel the same about American Idiot. But mm. I, I don't feel ashamed about that because a lot of people are, oh, American Idiot, whatever. But American Idiot. Gen- record. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's genuinely like, I, I was a huge fan anyway. And then it, it kind of made me even more of a fan. Um, I know exactly what you mean about Kaplunk because I've, yeah, I've always been a huge Green Day fan, but I don't think any Green Day song like uh, triggers more like nostalgic and awesome like memories than yeah. uh, Thousand Light Years Away. Like I think like, <laughs> the intro to Two Thousand Light Years Away, just like every every <laughs> sinew of my brain goes, ah, oh, remember that, like. Yeah, exactly. I remember being in a Green Day tribute band and playing it as part of our set. And people used to go, oh, I like Green Day. And I used to be really arrogant about it for some reason. Like, yeah, but do you know 2000 Light Years Away? Because <laughs> we play that one, which is, which is weird. But yeah, that album for sure um, has that nostalgic thing for me. So that's probably why it's my favourite. But so Insomniac, um, I guess, so you've you've chosen the three albums collectively. So I just kind of want to talk about have you individually got stories about it? Do you remember the first time you listened to it? I mean, it came out in 1995, so you probably weren't around for its, you were around, but not old enough to remember its kind of release. So. Now, that's funny you should say that, because I think that, I think that I have a particular attachment to Insomniac because I'd have been nine, but I've got, old, I've got older brothers. I'm the youngest of three. And right. so that was like, that record was like floating around in my house. And um, that, that really impacted me. I remember that record really impacting me. And then, I, I, so I, I started there, like I actually started there with Green Day and then kind of zoomed out and went backwards and forwards with it. Right. Um, but, but it was, you know, I, I kind of learned, I learned to play guitar to that song, that, that record. Mm. Um, I, I'd sit in my room and just blast it on a CD player and just play along to it and play along to it and play along to it. I mean, if I'd have chosen like a prog album, I might be a better guitar player. Now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, you know, I learned to play guitar. To yeah, that but song, would you to would you be record. a songwriter? <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. I think uh, yeah, for me, like it felt like because Basket Case and when I come around, and those songs were so like they felt like they were ingrained in your conscience when you were mm. a kid. Like you yeah. already knew them before yeah. you'd even realise that you'd heard them. I guess like. Because they yeah. just always seem to be around. Um, so, I mean, the beauty of getting into a band like Green Day when you were like 11 or 12 or 13 or whatever is they already had like three or four like amazing albums that you mm. can go back to. Yeah. And, uh, and Insomniac was the one I remember there being not a lot of kind of fanfare around like people knew, knew Nimrod really well and mm. they knew Dookie really well. And then Insomniac is like sandwiched in between those two records mm. but it's the one for me that is just the most like, like um really concise and just really like uh there's no fat on that record mm, right yeah. it's just like like straight up just brilliantly written songs um that, that like three chords in the truth like it, there's never mm. been more true for green day than it is on that record i think mm. yeah i agree man because like um Nimrod, I, I I really 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 love Nimrod, but it is fat, isn't it? Like there's it's too it's a little bit too long, yeah. And it's it's uh it's the start of them 
started to realise that they could, could have real fucking mainstream appeal. Mm. But uh, conversely, Insomniac feels much more honest. It's yeah, just yeah. like a really short, sharp punch in the face honest album. Well, like, well yeah. I remember, well, I read, I, I read about it recently because I, I knew we were doing this and we picked it, that like Insomniac was kind of an answer to people who had kind of turned their backs on Green Day for, yeah. for kind of for being perceived to sell out. When, yeah. And then they came, they came out with this record that was like, no, this is just like, this is what we've I was always reading been. that about uh, 86. The other yeah, day. I, yeah, never, yeah, I never yeah. knew what 86 was about until literally a few months ago. And uh, oh, I've just realised now what it's about. Yeah, it's <laughs> okay. being 86 from the scene. Yeah, 86 from the scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Gilmore Street and, and all of that, which is uh, crazy. That album for me, like, came around at like the perfect time because uh, I was full disclosure. I'm 40 next year, so I was. Rem- I do remember it coming out. And like, we do have uh, an age policy. No one. Yeah, no, like, so, like, I remember. I remember it coming out, and it was the first Green Day album that I remember coming out. And and I'd, I was already by that point a huge fanboy. <laughs> so like. Yeah. Um, it, it came out and I was like, you know, like at the at HMV or wherever, like 9am on the dot to buy it on the day it came out um, because they were like, yeah, my favourite band. And it was the the album that they. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, and it was it was. Yeah. Like, I don't think probably more than any album I've ever bought. I, I like vividly remember like just being so eager to get it home and just get like the inlay open and listen to it over and over again and read the lyrics along with the along with the song and then the next day I went out and I bought the tab book and like and I remember like I literally only just started playing guitar because I was like 13 and uh I had this old uh like acoustic guitar I like didn't have an electric guitar at that point and I remember rifling through the tab book and literally just finding the song that had the fewest chord shapes. <laughs> you know, when it tells you all the chords at the beginning. Yeah. And I, I found uh, Stuart in the Avenue. And it's like, right, there's only three chords in this whole fucking song. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I'm learning. And, and that was like the first song I ever learned to play the whole song on guitar because it had the fewest chords on that record. Yeah. But yeah, like it was, but like looking back, like even nostalgic side, aside it i just think yeah it had that kind of real visceral thing that people hadn't heard from green day like it was so much darker than than anything they'd done before yeah and i think it was you know just basically it's a whole album about taking drugs but like not having fun on those drugs like it was yeah it was a dark record Um, wanting your parents to die so you can get their money (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah, the other thing with, with it as well, and I think probably why I liked it so much when I was really young was that like a lot of a lot of bands are made, writing songs about love and, and, and the heartbreak and all that kind of thing. And you're like you've got no experience of that when you're like twelve or thirteen, mm-hmm. right? Not really no, not yeah, really. Absolutely. Um, but you have taken meth. But yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, the same is true about drugs for most people um a lot of the themes about like being disillusioned and and, yeah. and feeling a bit lost and, and all that kind of thing that's the thing i think with green day that resonates the most yeah. with 
kids of that sort of age when mm. they when they get into that band yeah and probably why their appeal is still is like absolutely huge yeah I, I i also love the fact that like i'm 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 you know green day are a really good example of uh the like i see insomniac as a bit of a fuck you album like yeah. we've got big this is what we do but fuck you now here's something slightly different all right insomniac's still an extremely accessible like pop sounding album but they obviously go and do that again later when they do warning after nimrod like i'm i'm really interested in that idea of, of artists like you see it then that's the that's the first sign of them like trying to break away from the mold and so yeah. the thing like american idiots start to make a bit more sense like you know it's that idea of like in utero following never mind yeah. like i love that idea of bands getting big and then just going well fuck you <laughs> listen yeah, yeah. to this and there's a spirit there's a part of that spirit in that record that was that definitely yeah actually i remember like when uh i was i was watching mtv uh because green day were were playing live on uh it was lisa leanson was still hosting it and uh green day played uh or were due to play brain stew Mm. on uh on this show i can't remember what the show was called but it was it was like i, I got home from school and watched it. it must have been on at like 4 p.m or something and it was uh like they played and i don't think the producers of the tv show knew anything about the song so they didn't know that uh brain goes straight into jaded mm. and i don't think they were ready for <laughs> to go to and they started playing like the titles of the TV show over the end of Brain Stew, at which point on live TV, Billy Joe Armstrong just uh, waved at the producer and just said, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> and then they launched into the fastest version of Jaded you'll ever hear in your life. And it was absolute chaos. And like 13 year old me was just like, oh my god what is happening this is the coolest thing i've ever seen because it yeah. was like it was the most punk rock thing i'd ever seen it was like a band telling someone to shut the fuck up on live television yeah and launching into a song that they weren't meant to be playing like it blew my tiny mind at 13. <laughs> like that grown up yeah it's like yeah it was just like, you can't control us i know i know the exact thing you're talking about <laughs> i still watch it now and was like fuck i still think that's so cool even even stuff like there's a clip of Billy Joe. This, I think this was on the Nimrod tour. Someone's just being a dick in the crowd. And he's like, fight me. Fuck you fighting that person there. Come and fight me. He puts his guitar down and just double foot straight into the crowd and just starts <laughs> battering someone. Ne he's never, ever given a fuck. I think that album as well is like, you, obviously it came off the back of Dookie and it was a fuck you album, but it's still, it's still like really well produced. Like that drum intro to Armitage Shanks just sounds so good. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, incredible album. I think No Pride would probably have to be my favourite track. Uh, yeah. I just love the melody. Every melody on, on every song is in, is superb, um, but the No Pride melody just had me for months on end. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's like, it's, it's economically written album, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah, just like, yeah. here's a hook. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Time. But you're right yeah. about the production. Like, the production on that record is so good. The production's really tight too. Like the drums feel uh, in a room, like they feel really insular. Yeah. And the and like the bass sound on the that bass record sound, is just so the perfect, perfect. sound. Like, yes. You still try and chase that sound. We still try and chase that sound all the time. Absolutely. Like, come yeah. on, it's the Mike Dern Insomniac sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's that kind of like twang while still sounding fat, fat. like still yeah. being that carrier three piece with only one guitar with that tone. Like, yeah. 
shit, man. It is, I guess that's down to the plane too, right? I think economical is definitely like the right word. But then like there's there's kind of like one excessive bit in that album, which is like the intro to Panic Song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that yeah, is yeah. the first time I remember hearing that for the first time and just being blown away. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like it ends up being like after that huge like epic intro, it ends up being like a two-minute song mm. after that. But like Oh, I, just and I must it. admit, like when when uh, American Idiot came out and everyone was reacting with such kind of like shock and awe over how like a band like Green Day could do a rock opera, I was like, well, yeah, but they were like they were aping the Who on yeah. Insomniac, and that's yeah. the example. Like that is pure Who that bit. And yeah. so when they did American Idiot, it was like no surprise to me at all because it's like yeah, they always had this in them. Like, yeah. uh, and I think they just I just got the confidence to do it by American Idiot, I think, and, and maybe had the concept to hang a whole opera on rather than uh, just a, you know, a 35-minute record. Yeah, I think they'd done, they'd done warning by that point as well, so by yeah. that point, it's just like, we'll, we'll throw another curveball at you. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I respect yeah. that. I, yeah. I love it. Like, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I, so I, I mean, I remember getting, buying warning in the same way you described buying Insomniac, because yeah. by this yeah. point, I'm just obsessed. And yeah. I remember getting that home being like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> That's the same. Acoustic guitar. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the but but minority was the lead single single yeah. off that. Yeah, it was yeah. really good, really good, but but sounded enough like Green Day that it, it, it kind of carried. I think that was a wise choice making that mm. single. But now probably one of my favorite Green yeah. Day records. Like, like yeah. just it feels like slightly like a different band, but but we're not talking about that record, but I didn't do that. Too. We were thought wigging out about the tone on that album the other day because yeah. we, we were like um, referencing Green Day for like just they're one of our go tos when we want to talk about guitar tone. Mm. There's always a Green Day song or a Green Day album where it's like that's the guitar tone mm. we want. Mm. And uh, yeah, the guitar tone on Warning is so so good. Yeah. Like it's like it's so it's like proper original and. I don't, I don't think they did that record with the same I don't think they did it with Rob Cabello I think that was like the first one they did without him and it was like I might be wrong but like yeah, you're probably right but the guitars sound different but like for that record especially they sound so so fat and, yeah I think I think they deliberately wanted wanted to use like 1950s guitars mm. they wanted it so Rob Cabello did produce Warning Oh, he did. Uh, okay. Yeah, I've just oh. I've just googled it. By the way, I'm not a green. So so Chris, um, at the risk of this becoming a podcast talking about Green Day, I want to stay on Green Day for a minute. Uh, how do you how do you feel about Green Day now? Because I remember when Revolution Radio came out, and you were kind of a bit like. What, I can't remember the name. So once their first single came out, so, see what happened was after American Idiot and 21st Century Breakdown, I, I no longer became obsessed with their catalogue. So I don't really know Green Day Inside Out like I know no. now, like I used to. So um, I can't remember the name of the single that came out, but you loved it. And then all of a sudden they brought out something else and you kind of was a bit disappointed again. So Green Day now, do you feel they're not the same? How do you feel about them? To be honest, man, I mean, I'll be honest. I listened to the last one they put out. I can't even remember what it was called. Uh, I, I was I was going on holiday and I I lined it up as something to listen to on the plane, and I forced myself to listen to the whole thing. Yeah. 
all good relationships from Melbourne start that way, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew what I knew what I was in for. Like I don't know, it was like texting an ex or something, mm. and uh, it, yeah, I hated it. I hated every every second of it. Mm. Um, yeah, I it's sad. Like I, like you know, I'm not taking anything away from the band because they by far have been the biggest influence on me as a as a musician, a songwriter than any other band in the world. But yeah, they that they've lost me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they are now. I don't know what it is they do, and I don't know what they get out of it. But I hope they get something out of it. <laughs> there's, there's, there's one other band in this world that I will give the same amount of like. I know exactly what you're gonna say. Go on. Yeah. I'll <laughs> uh, I'll 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 give them like I know that like Green Day. Green Day for me, it sort of ended after American Idiot. I kind of lost track of them yeah, after yeah. that. Yeah. But I, I will always now go back and go, oh, Green Day got a song out. I want to check that out. The only other band I'll do that with and afford that time for is, is Weezer. Like, yeah. And you reach a point where you've been hurt so many times. That <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. It's so weird talking to you about this because I feel exactly the same, where you feel let down by three people you have no idea who you've never met them they yeah. don't give a fuck about you but you're so personally connected to them like yeah. their, la- their latest album the album cover is like a close-up of the hand grenade from american idiot and it's like why have you done that because this is nothing like american idiot you cannot release a shit album and put american idiot on the fucking cover like yeah. don't piss me off and then i'm like what's what's wrong with me it's just a three yeah. like 50 year old men that like writing music these days so who they, cares they, they are like well within their right to put out at this stage whatever they want yeah they've earned it man like they can yeah. do whatever they want i, I just won't listen to it. yeah <laughs> <laughs> i will i'll listen to it once <laughs> and then one day one day they might surprise me and i will be back in there and everything will be forgiven no that's but, that's how they get you they, yeah, how, i know i hope they kill you that's yeah, how we yeah, that yeah, yeah yeah they, they, do, they, they bring do, out the white they'll album they'll do a white album won't they and you'll go they're back just like i knew they'd always be back and they're not and then and then they go again (laughs) i do do not care for them now no no no. joe i think you hit the nail on the head by saying you've been hurt too many times and that's so true i I build up so much hope for an album that's coming out released worldwide and it's just a hock of shit yes it's so painful because like you said i'll always go and see him live i'll always have such high hopes for a new album and it's uh, till the day I die. <laughs> I can't expect it. But hey, you know, maybe time just moves on. You change, they change. Yeah, you know, like a, that. It's like that. Listen to right. Yeah, like, yeah. And yeah. You, you know, they've still given. They've still given you as a fan and as a musician. You know, they've given you at least five of the best pop punk albums you could ask yeah, for. Yeah, like, and for the time being, they've been neither me too yeah nor no. cancelled in any other way <laughs> yeah. so, so no 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 so like you know we, we, we could get into this later with with the other records we talk about but yeah you can still listen i can still listen to our green albums and it feels okay yeah i don't feel dirty listening to green day because i still feel like they're good guys as exactly. well yeah. yeah okay let's move on let's move on to your second yeah, album feels wrong go on so you've all you, so what you're saying is you can listen to Insomniac forever and not get bored of it. The second album that you can do that with is? Uh, is A Real Boy by Say Anything. Um, 
Jamie played it to me. That was how I, I did. Uh, remember this. Yeah, that's a good uh, story, right? I had a tiny little car <laughs> and uh, Jamie got in my tiny little car. We were, we, I think we were driving to a gig or something and he just had a CD with him and he just put it in. He went, you're going to love this. <laughs> And I did. <laughs> and ever since, ever since I've, I've been a bit obsessed with it and, and we still talk about it and we still reference it with, with this band. Like it's always a go-to for us in terms of just how to take people on a bit of a, this sounds a bit wanky, but like how to take people on a bit of a journey, like across a record, like how to do like proper talk, like storytelling, like proper, yeah like reeling people in with with a a yarn yeah, yeah. and i think that's that's what i love about it yeah i think as well it, so that record came out i think in 2004 or mm-hmm. five yeah. by the time i'd heard it it was probably like 2005 and like i kind of wasn't really listening to pop punk at that point i'd kind of like got into other stuff you know and was probably at a pretty pretentious phase mm-hmm. but i felt but like i found this record i can't even remember how it must have been another band that i liked to be talking about it or something and uh it really expanded on pop punk as i knew it like yeah. what what i expected a pop punk band yeah. to be yeah like it's all over the place this record from start to finish like it cut it, it crosses all these different genres and, and styles and but it had so much of the like uh fuzz and like melody and, and like raw quality that that i that i always always loved so yeah I, and i knew like chris said like i knew that i could play it to him and he'd, he'd get it and then he'd love it yeah that that is like I, I i came i came to that record later because that was on i think it was on drive it came out on drive through and it was like i was i was kind of over it i was over that by that point i was into a different phase and um uh, they released the live with the glory of love as a single mm-hmm. and it had like a video and they looked like every other one of those like later stage pop punk bands but that that record was marketed so wrong that it shouldn't have come out of <laughs> it, it been, like that's like an art rock that yeah, record yeah. like it, it, it's not a, it, it it has all the spirit of a pop punk album but it's like it's so much more expansive and the uh, the songwriting, the arrangements are so um, so like uh, like ambitious. Mm. The, the the production, like I don't know, you know, now now having learned a little bit about how to record things, I just think that's a fucking headache trying to make that record. Like, mm. how do you have that much going on and for it all to stick out and have its place? Yeah, like, yeah. it's so smart. It's it's such a smart record. I love it so much. I think in terms of like the the moving away from the the kind of cliche pop punk thing as well like vocally and lyrically it got to the point where a lot of pop punk bands and a lot of sort of the kind of emo pop punk crossover bands it was just so much whining and it was like for me i I was like I, i never got into like dashboard i never got into any of the more emo pop punk bands because like i just for me, there was too much whining going on. And it was like, you left me, why did you leave me? And I was kind of like, just over people whining about girls. And then this album came out and, you know, opens up an album with a rant about like 
music poses. Yeah. And like, and it's just like a spoken word rant with so much vitriol and so like so fucking wordy and like just absolutely spitting at people. And I was like, okay, this <laughs> this is this is what I want to listen to. Like, and and it just kind of completely reeled me in. And of course, there are songs about relationships and there are songs about girls on that record, but the the unhingedness, there was for me, it was so much less. Uh, like saccharine and pretentious as a lot of the the bands that were around that time it was so much more real like this guy was clearly unhinged and he wasn't he wasn't well like he wasn't in a good place and he had to write these songs to get into a better place yeah and and the songs were just brutal about that and I felt like it just made all of these other bands that were just singing about breakups in the most cliche way possible just seem to be what they were to me like it just seemed such a sideshow to it's like no this guy's got some real shit going on yeah you're like, right yeah you're right it's like um it does have that feeling of like what what would you like it's vital. it feels vital like it feels like vital to him to have written that record and and i'm obs- i'm obsessed with that like that cliche of like the tortured artist and all that it's just i still find that fascinating and um he sounds like he's in so much pain on that record. Yeah, yeah. Or like not even not even in pain, but just he he's outside of society. Yeah, yeah. And um, he doesn't know. Yeah, like, yeah. And and, it, and what the what I love about it more than, than anything is is the like the humor in it, like mm. ly- lyrically and in in the in his delivery, he is making fun of really dark shit it's funny man it's a funny yeah. record yeah. It's, it's self-deprecating in that yeah. way yeah and that's something that we've talked about actually with our band yeah going forward is like right let's try and just let people in on it like yeah. like yeah life is funny man like there's not enough music that that, that doesn't like that, that tries to capture that you know verging on like satire it's quite it's quite an ironic album it kind of takes the piss of the genre which it's integral to <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but 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 what he does really cl- cleverly is he, everyone's aware that that's what he's doing. It's not like does this guy know what he's doing? It, he clearly does, and that's what makes it. Yeah, so he's like Bo Burnhaming before Bo Burnham did it. <laughs> like he was kind of, yeah, you know, yeah. he's just like shamelessly proclaiming that he spends hours in front of the mirror making his hair look elegantly dishevelled. It's like, yeah, fuck, like. I would, that's what I take the piss out of people for doing, but you're admitting you do it. So now I can't take the piss out of yeah, you for yeah, doing yeah. it. And like, Bo Burnham does something about that, on that inside thing. And it's the same thing. It's like, if you can answer your critics by just owning up to stuff straight yeah. up, then it's like, well, what have they got? Like, yeah. and he, he just, he just completely criticizes himself in a, in a funnier way that I, most of his detractors ever could. And it and it makes the record better for it. I think. And, and besides, you know, any record that pulls off like a, a, what is essentially a beautifully sincere love song set during the Holocaust, like <laughs> I, 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 it, it, it's this really ambitious thing to do, yeah. right? And I think that is a all of that, like the fact that it's called "Alive with the Glory of Love." It, 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 I remember, I remember it feeling like, oh, that there's the title. This is another one of those saccharine emo yeah, yeah. bands that you're talking about. But that feels like a piss take of a title, almost because like that is such an ambitious thing to take on. But it's so beautifully told that yeah. still it gives me like it, it gets me in the feels that song. Oh my like, god, yeah. Like so many other 
much more outwardly this is a love song songs don't at all but that that really gets me in the feels it's a yeah. fucking great song uh, I, I heard that start with that song to be honest yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just it's too much <laughs> I heard him speak about that song and he said his, his grandparents were part of the Holocaust and found love during that time. And he was like, how can anything else in this world matter when you can find love in the most horrendous, horrible place? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, yeah. Yeah, but he, he also said that, um, so he believes in like the butterfly effect and that album, the mistakes that he made on that album, if you can call them mistakes, uh, led him to write better music or led him to do, the things that he did post that album but if if he listened to the album in a vacuum and that's the only thing he ever did he would record the whole thing again it's weird how an album can mean so much to say for example you guys but to him it's like i'd do it again in a heartbeat if i could the crazy thing is as well like to a listener there's no way you'd think that that is an album that like you know production wise or whatever had been like poured over because it sounds so live it sounds so energetic yeah. like and i remember being surprised that there's only like three musicians on the whole record because mm. it's like it's like him and a drummer like he basically did everything and yeah like that is enough to send you mental like <laughs> i did like yeah. i can't believe he managed to do that like it's hard enough recording a band yourself when you're like a band yeah but yeah, yeah doing it like a project like that yeah wow like well done for finishing it yeah like uh, man i'd walk away from that album totally like mike fucking drop yeah yeah it's weird isn't it yeah the the problem for him as well i think is like that's kind of he had some had some records or like at least one record before that but obviously didn't have like proper release to the extent that uh is a real boy did so if that's kind of your proper opening salvo as a as a musician, right? And then you've got you've got to try and top that, or at least like, I mean, what he actually did was kind of after in defense of the genre of the record after that, which was like a huge double album. Yeah, and tried like, to be ambitious, didn't he? Yeah, but yeah. Tried too hard to be ambitious. Yeah, and, but then <laughs> since then he he's kind of gone on taking a different approach to kind of every record. So again, like expressing yeah. himself in different ways, but. For me, I mean, that might—it's like you were saying that might not be his idea of what saying anything is, but to me, that is—that's yeah. my saying. Yeah, yeah. The same way that insomniac is my dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the beauty of, of music, I suppose, and the way it just gets stuck in time, and it's there forever for people to enjoy it however they want to. And I think, yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's weird for bands to be like, "Stop liking our old stuff. We've got this new stuff now." It's like, no, enjoy it enjoy all of yeah. it for what it was yeah, but, but, and you shouldn't fall into the trap either of like you know why didn't they make another is a real boy mm. exactly yeah and also you you can't that that was what it was in your head yeah. in your in your heart you can't recreate that yeah i read an interview with um nick cave the other day and he was saying like i think somebody asked him about like morrissey and like how you know he's basically a douchebag now so like like what do, you do, what do you do with the songs that you like now that you know someone's a twat and, it, and he basically said well it doesn't matter because one uh, like from his point of view once he releases a song it's not his anymore it's the listeners and they yeah. can do what they want with it in their head <laughs> and i think that's that's the same with with like max bemis i think he's got 
so much ambition as a songwriter that it's not necessarily the ambition of the listener that he's giving the music to so yeah that album uh for me at that time yeah that it was perfect <laughs> i don't care if you want to re-record it yeah. it's done now and it's in my head and it's perfect in my head so it's not yeah. yours anymore <laughs> that memory of that record is perfect yeah and that is that, that album is yours in your own way as it is jamie's uh, you know etc so yeah absolutely that's that the beauty of music um I, I'm probably too old to be following like pop punk uh, fan pages on Facebook, but I do. And that album, <laughs> that album always is shared as like, does anyone still listen to this? I was like, I've never stopped listening to it. It's an yeah. album cover that I always see knocking about somehow. And I feel like it's a bit of a shame that Say Anything were never really, didn't get as popular as those emo bands that are around at the time. He, uh, he made some, made some choices, right? You know, like for better or worse. Um... And, and and didn't want to it's it's the same thing like uh, me and joe have been talking about this vagrant records podcast that we've been listening to mm. uh and the get up kids are on there and yeah. they released and this is another record that like if we hadn't done it this way we'd picked three each it probably would have been in one of our three yeah um, something to write home about something to write yeah. something to write home about is just an incredible album and their follow-up to that was on a wire which is like not remotely really like um something to write home about if they'd written another something to write home about they 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 would have been massive like bigger than bigger than they were yeah um so so it's kind of the same you know like he could have tried to make another is a real boy um and probably would have you know had music videos on tv and all that kind of stuff but um chose not to chose to record a double album with like countless guests on it and, and another record that just jumps all over the map like yeah um so you know that's just an artistic choice isn't it yeah and that and he that's what that's what i meant when i first started talking about it i mean he's not i like i, I mean no disrespect to chris carabra is the first person that comes into my mind like they are both, both artists but, but their ambitions are extremely different aren't they right like and uh, and he 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 is ambitious with his art and he doesn't really seem to care that much about who he's making it for like i respect that yeah yeah for sure so the final album then that will be with you on this desert island um as a collective what have you chosen uh pump up the valium by no effects why <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's probably so. I will. I will confess that. So, as someone who's grown up with pop punk music, I am very narrow-minded with my music, uh, and to my detriment, I'm probably missing out on a lot of music that you guys know inside out, and that I haven't experienced or opened up to. No effects being one of those bands. Never really given them a time of day. Don't really want to. So, someone like me. If I'm, you know, because you know me, but I'm a huge Blink Blink fan. I'll still listen to all the small things. Huge Green Day fan. Um, all the cheesy pop punk stuff I've always loved. Why should I give no effects the time of day? I think so. We, it's funny, we were talking about this right before we came on the call. Like, I, I, I was saying that I, I, I'd listened, I'd got into and listened to no effects 
before knowing anything really about NoFX. But I, I think if I if I was you now and had never uh, dipped into it, knowing what I know about them now, I would probably not go. I, I think I'm gonna just yeah. a new habit. I'm gonna take up liking NoFX. <laughs> I don't think that would happen for me. So yeah. I, I get I get it. But um, so I came into that. I came into that band not really knowing. I was young still, and there was no like there wasn't. I mean, there was internet, but it wasn't. It wasn't like it is now. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and through again through like through like my older brother, uh, Punky Drublick, So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes were like really big albums, and that I think that was the first time I'd heard like the skate punk beat, and uh, and then Pump Up the Value it comes out when I'm like, I mean, I must be a, must have been yeah, I must have been fourteen, kind of that kind of age, and uh, that was the one where like i knew that band i knew their music and i was excited about that record coming out and it came out and it did not disappoint me in any way mm. until like i loved that record right from the minute mm. i heard it yeah i think so i think if you were if you're like starting from nothing and you don't know no effects at all i would like maybe like the purest no effects fans might not agree but this would be the record i think that i would encourage you to start with because yeah. musically it's so like it's so clever like and i didn't and, and as joe was saying didn't really realize that until years after i'd first heard it and kind of revisited it like incredible harmonies like just like really technical playing really melodic solos like they have always been a better band than they than they would let on that they are yeah yeah, and they're, they're I think they're peaking. They're they're peaking at that point in their career as well, um, because the songwriting is so is is. I mean, they do the decline. That's really fucking smart bit of work. Yeah. But Pump Up the Valley feels like it feels smarter. They it feels like they're trying really hard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It doesn't like it's almost like um so comparing it to like is a real boy whereas is a real boy just sounds like somebody's therapy yeah like pump up the valley can be more the opposite in that it's such a well thought out record like it is like, like it's it's knowingly smart and like musically it's knowingly smart like everything about it like i mean we were saying earlier like even the fact that I didn't appreciate it when I first listened to it. I just like liked the songs, but looking back on it, like some of the meta musical jokes that are on that record, like they sing the word modulation while modulating and then say, give me another key and then change key. And like, yeah. like there's all kinds of just like meta gags on it. And like the writing is so tight and so melodic. The harmonies are awesome. Like, uh, like, you know some of the chord sequences are like pure Beatles stuff like yeah. it's proper clever songwriting and yet they play they play the clown like they the whole way through their career have just been like yeah we're just you know dumb drunk punk guys it's like no you're fucking not like you know what you're doing like yeah what you, you are drunk though <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. so you're drunk not doing it high. you're not doing it as well as you could <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes but yeah, they know what they're doing and they're, they're a smart band and that album is, yeah, like some of the songwriting on it is, is phenomenal. Yeah, there was some shit that I didn't understand that I, that I understand now. Like, mm. But there's some funny songs, man, like 
<laughs> clams have feelings too is on that record yeah. right yeah no chowder for you clams have feelings too and they don't have <laughs> they sexual, don't have nervousness. sexual nervousness. i mean what a fucking stupid lyric yeah, they, like... have, they have no face no space for ears they have no eyes to cry clam tears no clam yeah. eyes to cry <laughs> final chord they must get bored. <laughs> It's so good, I, mean, I don't feel like we're selling it, Kims, I'll be honest. <laughs> I can't wait to give this a listen, I must say. <laughs> but it is, it's, it's one of those albums that, yeah, there are like, uh, and, and I mean, it's, it's no effects through and through lyrically because, you know, one minute they're joking about clams being able to cry and the next minute they're making like really, really valid points about major record deals. Yeah, and. yeah, yeah and like uh legalization of drugs and stuff like that so like you know they take you on a bit of a <laughs> a weird journey because i feel yeah. like i should i should love them because they clearly influenced the stuff that i'm into yeah uh, they've been around forever old um fat mike <laughs> Just, again I'm, I'm on wikipedia <laughs> Fat Mike. Fat Mike. He uh, so he owns he owns his own label. He's got an autobiography. He's clearly an influential bloke, like yeah. you said, who knows what he's doing. So in that scene and everything that I love, for me not to be an OFX fan feels probably slightly embarrassing. Um, uh, it's, it's like it surprises me because you would you would really like them. you definitely would really like them. There's a yeah. run of four albums there that you would definitely yeah. you would definitely like. Yeah. It's everything that you like. It's like it's melodic, it's harmonic, it's smartly written songs. I guess the only difference is it's super fucking fast pretty much all the way through as a rule. You've got that. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first, the first time I heard uh, any any no effects song, it was on one of those punk drama compilations. And I, I remember loving it because it was so fast. And at the time I was just into fast punk rock. So like anything that was fast, I was in. And it was like the first... The first song on one of these punk drama albums and and i loved it but i remember the the vocals did jar because fat mike's voice is like so like grating and i just remember like hearing it and it had that kind of billy joe armstrong-esque yeah. kind of drawl about it but it was almost like i don't know it was like scientists are just like inbred billy joe like 10 times and that is the voice that you get <laughs> yeah eventually you know like when you overbreed a dog yeah like yeah. if you just did that with billy joe you then not make that voice but yeah like it was that kind of just like you know you started off with a billy joe kind of voice and then it just got more weird. you've lost me no <laughs> i don't know to bring it to bring it back yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, Blink is a Blink is obviously a band that, like you really love, Kins, and like with all their all their little silly little songs about like dicks and <laughs> grandpa. This is bringing it back, grand, grandpa eating like, too many hot dogs and all that kind of stuff, and and dogs like you know let's not. Um, there's no way. There's there's absolutely no way coming from where they come from and doing songs like that that they aren't in any way influenced by no effects. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would say, and I've heard another another great band from back in the day that Mark Mark Hoppus I've heard talk about being massively influenced by his Descendants. You know? Yeah, yeah. Same thing, fart jokes and recording themselves farting and putting it on records and stuff. You know. Yeah. Like, there's absolutely no way that those bands aren't massively influential to them. Yeah. No, and no, there's there's no no effects without Descendants, ironically. Yeah. And then there's no 
most of that weight of pop there's not there's none of there's none of any of what we've just talked about about descendants yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah for sure i've heard blink talk about descendants all the time but then equally there's no descendants without people always say the beatles and i fucking, beatles, hate, yeah. I fucking hate the beatles Fuck. But... <laughs> so this is what i love about music it's like well i don't really care that someone else influenced you because i love I don't, it's weird isn't it it feels like strange to say that and arrogant but um knowing that there would be no blink without the descendants no effects doesn't doesn't drive me to go and listen to those bands no, 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 not at all yeah no i get that i get that I, I, and yeah and that is, that's there's there is like that that brag of like oh yeah but you know that band you like that band but do you know the band yeah. that they yeah, yeah. that inspired them yeah. it's like oh I give a shit to a certain extent. I like that. Yeah. I like that band. So yeah, yeah. give yeah. it a go if you want. If no, you don't, don't. Want to, don't. don't. Yeah. I think they're like. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe punk rock has lost a little bit of that elitism. Yeah. It certainly felt like that back in the day. Like you get into a band, and I mean, thank God there wasn't the internet at the level we have the internet now. When I oh, know, like, right? Getting into these bands because you'd just be paranoid about every new thing you discover because mm. you'd worry whether it was the earliest form of that thing to get into mm. at risk of being shamed that you were so late to the game. Whereas, like, yeah, like with Pump Up the Valium, it was kind of like I knew what No Effects did, <laughs> like, I knew what they sounded like, and that album came out and it was like, yeah, they've done it again. Like, and it, but it did have something new about it. I mean, it didn't have any scar songs on it. Yeah, that's, that's always good yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um but you know it did have like a pirate shanty yeah 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 it did so yeah. did it it's just, that's it's intriguing just, uh, see yeah. i mean you know and that wouldn't have happened without mad caddy they did a whole album of pirate punk so <laughs> where were where were you then <laughs> none why, of were, why were none of you listening to that none one of that yeah one? Well, got... actual pirate god <laughs> you weren't even listening to pirate punk <laughs> like if you're not gonna if you're not gonna listen to no effects i would still because i know that we haven't really talked about a book but if you're gonna if you if we were gonna add a, if we were gonna add a book let's chuck a book in yeah i would recommend hepatitis bathtub which is the no effects <laughs> biography right of yeah <laughs> why wouldn't it be um, but it's like i listened to it first actually like they did it as like an audiobook and uh just like incredible insight into like that's that scene so that does really fascinate me that kind of yeah mm. how that, it all happened the story of it rather than yeah the the, all the all the early 80s kind of punk rock scene in la like it's all kind of it's their document of it and it's like some of it is so messed up man but like yeah like all the shit you think is worse just like just crazy stories like so far removed from like anything that any of us have ever experienced like oh i can imagine they, I mean, they would hate us right <laughs> there's no two, two ways about it they would probably hate us but yeah like if you're not going to listen to them i would still recommend like reading or listening to that to that book because uh it's just a really great like document of that 
for that period. I think No Effects have always been a band. It feels like they exist to make people like me feel a bit nervous. Like when you go and see No Effects, like you don't know if they get like they might do or say something that you don't agree with, and you won't know how to deal with it mm. because we're not as a generation like like my generation and and people younger than me as well like when people say things especially at a gig where you see it as a space where we're all like-minded people yeah and all of a sudden somebody says something that you don't agree with you kind of like it puts you on edge a little bit but that's what no effects are there to do and like i feel like and i even like again we were talking about it earlier like even on that record there are moments where looking back there's like it makes you question your own kind of moral stance on stuff because they'll they'll push something to a point where you're like is that am i okay with that yeah but they also because they clearly just do not give a shit what you think they kind of almost put themselves out there as like well use us as your <laughs> as your yardstick yeah. where the line is for you um and I, I think punk rock needs that i think like i think it, it's uh, it's always meant to have been a, a genre that's meant to push people's buttons and that even means that a band you like might do something that crosses a line for you but they're putting themselves on the line to do that mm. so like yeah and I think that's where no effects are and, and again Valium is, is a good example of that because there's there's some bits on that record now that I'd probably look back on and think okay didn't handle that issue particularly sensitively but it totally helped me shape my position on it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do you think, um, so now the world that we live in, um, they're still an active band that they'll ever fall victim to cancel culture. I I mean, I said that again, before we came on, like, I can't really believe that hasn't happened already. (laughs) I mean, that record alone has two or well, I don't know, man, it depends on, it's smart because, it depends on your perspective, really. Like that, so that song. We, I mean, we we talked about it before. That song has a song called "My Vagina" on it, which is about someone undergoing a gender transition, mm. and 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 handled in like the most ham-fisted, fucking <laughs> offensive way possible. Yeah. Like you know, refers to like you know, showing his friends his new designer. Can I say cunt? <laughs> I've said cunt. <laughs> you can now. <laughs> oh, oh, and the, the, the Zoom, the Zoom, as I said, cunt. So. <laughs> I've said it four times now. <laughs> You've frozen Zoom. He's frozen again. I know, I think my uh, my internet is a bit shit. Okay, I think you're back in the room. Yeah, uh, like, right. as that froze, Chris, Chris just said cunt four times. <laughs> and he's going, oh. <laughs> yeah, mate, he's it's every single day. <laughs> it's freezing. Wait, okay. Are you there? Are we? Are we live? Am I still frozen for you? No, no, no you're, you're back. back. Okay. Good. Right. Yeah. We're all right. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so that it, looking back on that now, you think that I mean, obviously, we society generally understanding of of gender has moved on a fucking long way since that. Yeah. And that's that's great. And so you would expect to look back on that and go, that is not fucking okay what you did there. Mm. But I don't feel like that about it. It feels like somehow sympathetic 
Well, and I don't, yeah, I don't know whether I listen to it and go, yeah, that's okay. But I definitely listen to it and go, do you know what? That, that was probably, that was certainly the first time I'd ever heard a punk band write a song about a sex change or cross-dressing or anything in that, it, like, the, it involves gender that wasn't just taking the piss out. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was actually, like, talking about transitioning in a, like a pro way and not in a piss taking way. Yeah. It was it was laughing at people for not getting it rather than laughing yeah. at people for doing it. Yeah. And so yeah, like yeah, it was it was definitely not handled the way you would expect a punk band to handle that issue now. But me 20 years ago listening to it knew absolutely nothing about gender. Yeah. Um and nothing about gender diversity and listen to it. And I was, yeah, it, in, in some way, shape or form, set up a conversation in my head yeah. about it. So, um, but, but not, yeah. in, not in a negative way. No. So, yeah. so I think, I think that, so Ricky Gervais has used this line, which is comedy, um, appeals to the intellect, which is quite controversial, but I think it's true. Yeah. And it's, and it's about, it's, it's about context as well, isn't it? It's about, yeah moment that that appeared in and understanding that it appeared in a moment yeah. that's different to now and, and and it's about uh hearing it in the context of the record as well because the because the, the other thing that's so often done is you, if you take certain lyrics off the album and if you just write them in black and white then it might appear mm. offensive yeah but if you, you hear it in the context of the record and the the like the like the soul of the record like it doesn't feel hateful no no not at all yeah and you know let's face it there are plenty of other no effects songs that are far more controversial exactly. like in yeah. lots of different well not yeah. more controversial just as controversial in lots of different ways but again i guess that's what they're there for and that's what like i you know don't don't change no effects yeah if you like a band because they say generally they say fuck you then you have to accept that sometimes they're going to say the fuck you yeah. <laughs> like, and be okay. With yeah, 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 yeah. They made they made a joke about uh, after a, after a shooting on in America on on stage that got them in more trouble than I think they've ever been in. Mm. Like re fairly recently, probably in the last. I guess that must have had, happened in the last five years. Mm. And they're still putting records out, and they're still going. You know, like. It's, yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? There's kind of zeitgeist. Some bands will fall so victim to that and never be able to put an album out again. I think it's the it's the expectation of the of the person or the band, yeah. right? So yeah. at this point in No Effects' career, there's probably not much they can say that's going to catch people off guard, really. Well, think. and I think it's it's down to authenticity as well. I think everything that Fat Mike and No Effects do and say comes from an authentic place, and I mean you know when when you've seen um fat mike do the um the clown sets that he used to do where he coached the clown coca the clown where he would like do these sets like acoustic sets but in between he'd tell like the darkest stories and it would be like almost like a confessional for him and it's like that proved that you know the guy's not uh he's not like unable to be self-aware like he can totally admit when he's done something wrong. Yeah. Um, but I think he's also aware that that doesn't mean that he shouldn't carry on being deliberately offensive because, or not deliberately offensive, that's wrong. Just like, 
deliberately pushing pushing the boundary with what is socially acceptable to kind of challenge everybody's opinions on things. Mm. Yeah, I kind of wish there was more of it. I guess I think it's important. Yeah, but it's it's, it's but because, but precisely because of, of of what you call cancel culture that you can't. It's not safe anymore. Like it's not safe to make those kind of statements anymore because there is no longer any nuance. There is no longer any acceptance of context. There yeah. is only this is okay and this is fucking not okay. And this was okay yesterday, but now it's fucking not okay today. Like yeah. it, it, like. And I think that's the thing. I, I think viewing something like music through the kind of binary lens of a thing called like, like a, a phrase like cancel culture kind of like, I don't know, it kind of almost takes away the point of music. Like if you're going to view music and art in like a binary right or wrong way, then don't fucking bother with it. Like, yeah, it's yeah for sure. Like, and I think like, you know, the whole idea of, cancelling musicians and stuff like that i don't think that is even a thing it's just a thing that like right-wing commentators tell us is happening yeah. to rile people up like yeah. because they'll make a load of money out of it like yeah. at the end of the day if you put out an album and you say a load of shitty things on that album people will call you out on saying shitty things and then they won't buy your albums and won't come to your shows and then you won't be successful that's not cancel culture that's what's always happened yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. and no and no effects are fucking living proof that if you can say things with authenticity it doesn't matter whether they're shitty or not people will call you out on it yeah and and they might stop coming to your shows and then you might say something that they do agree with and they'll start coming to your shows again and like that's what art is like i think that's what punk rock certainly is it's like say say what you want and let people judge it how it is and you know nobody's cancelling anyone no, and like unless you unless you fucking assaulted someone yeah which is a different ballpark yeah, yeah, yeah. like but in terms of the songs you write nobody's getting like, there aren't I, I don't think any punk rock fans are snowflakes or any of the buzzwords that have been used for the last 10 years it's just yeah, yeah i yeah. want to be clear right what when i said it, it doesn't feel as safe to make those statements anymore i don't what i I, I sound like someone who's saying you can't, <laughs> can't say, say anything. anything. No, 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 I like, can't yeah, say anything. No, no. <laughs> it's a it's a minefield. It's a cunt. <laughs> no, no, and, and of course, of course, I don't mean that. What I mean is that what I mean is that the environment's different to how it was. That's all I mean. Yeah, you, you like it is. Yeah, it really is. And I think Chris, you're right. It's people. There are there are there are right wing commentators on YouTube that have high subscriber follower numbers that will tell a story about one person somewhere in Texas that believes one thing and it becomes news. In that respect, nothing's changed. Like it's been the same for 20, 30, 40 years. It's, it, it's just been repackaged over and over again. This kind of fake cultural thing has just kept happening. Mm. And like, <laughs> we were uh, laughing this morning because uh, apparently GB News had a uh, they have a segment called Woke Watch <laughs> and uh, their, their segment on Woke Watch was uh, oh is, uh, is curry offensive now? <laughs> what? So like you can't even say curry anymore. you can't even eat a curry now <laughs> and so that's where we're at it's like that's what 
people like Rupert Murdoch have clearly got a lot of money invested in making people think that things are that ridiculous. But things aren't that ridiculous and they've never been that ridiculous. Dog whistle politics, isn't it? It, it, it is, but that's probably got less to do with albums we like. Yeah, so we'll... yeah. we've gone right <laughs> off. We've got a piece, haven't we? We can edit that last 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end by asking you all a very pretentious question, which I've never asked anyone in my life, and I don't know why I'm asking you this, but I feel like the conversation's led us to me asking you this question. What keeps you up at night? Oh, uh, my two-year-old son. Yeah. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> yeah. Um, what keeps you up at night? Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I can be I can be quite an anxious person in general. Um, so uh, I'm pretty good at keeping my mental health in check, but then sometimes that just just the daily stuff can can just play on your mind, you know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, not probably no different from anyone else, really. No, likewise. Like, I, yeah, I made it. You know, I made a conscious effort to not engage with anything out there anymore really because i know that it, i know that it knocks me off my trajectory and um so just it's better for me not to think about that but still sometimes it seeps in like for speaking to people but generally yeah i just i will play out things from the day that's what will that's what will make me uncomfortable at the end of the day like why the fuck did i say that to that person at that time you know that kind of stuff plays on my mind yeah i'm okay though <laughs> you just sound human mate it's all good yeah yeah i was definitely kept awake at night a lot more when i was a more avid social media user i sleep a lot better now i don't engage with a lot of that stuff yeah but um, chris when you were using social media you managed to get like over a million hits on some david cameron song that you made <laughs> but then i was losing sleep because i was up checking my youtube <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome well um so before i let you go because it's uh quite late for us uh dads and soon to be dad congratulations again chris thank you um, <laughs> that's what's keeping me up at the time, so. <laughs> yeah so you guys i saw are now in a covers band called you okay hun question mark um you played your first debut gig i believe it was the other night yeah. what spark what sparked that um well so we so we we're doing this band with two uh two other like really talented musicians that we know and uh the singer steph i think wanted to put a set together of uh of kind of kind of pop punk and emo covers to close out this this festival and um we actually found that joe's brother's covers band had a very similar like set list of songs that they pick out so we um kind of got together and i think it was chris was like well, why don't we change it a little bit and make it into like um it basically what it's turned into is like a like me first and the gimme gimme's for like modern pop music uh for the huns for the hun generation sure so yeah it's a lot of fun with like like we had a, we, we had a few songs that are like um we played a sugar babe song in the style of like the middle um yeah we had, completely mashed up like dance dance with uh Dua Lipa song um so taking back Sunday and uh 
Get Out by Get Jojo. Out by Jojo. Yeah. So it's it's <laughs> quite well, yeah. <laughs> Cute Without the E and and Get Out by Jojo. Just, wow. uh, yeah. yeah. You'd be surprised how well they, they match together. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. So, but that's, that's really fun. And that's like, we want, we're hoping that we're going to get to do some more of that because uh, the the over everything is still very much like turned turned into a studio project, mm. and until we can put a band together and, and like uh, figure out how to play it live, I think yeah. this is going to be like a fun live thing for us to do in the meantime. Yeah, and it's it's nice to play with those those guys as well, Steph and, and Archie. Yeah, they're ta- they're just ta- they're talented. Like it's nice to play with really talented people. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw kind of um, guys filming you from that gig, and is it Steph? You said her name. She's an in, incredible singer. Um, and yeah, the, co- yeah. the covers you do are so refreshing. That there's no kind of Mr. Brightside, all that sort of stuff. It's. Yeah. I think you did Shania Twain. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Re- no, <laughs> yeah. but like really eclectic and cool. You know, stuff that people are like. Oh, I haven't heard this in ages. I'm going to get up to dance to this, but done in in your was- in your way. It was nice. It was really nice to be but like, it's been such a long time since I played a show. Like, it's just nice to be in a sweaty, packed room again, man. Like, it's been that long. Yeah. And the energy was really good. And like, yeah, like seeing how people react when you play a Shania Twain riff <laughs> as like a halftime beatdown is like, that's just fun. Like, and like we like we're past i mean you can probably tell from the albums that we picked as well like we're past being really pretentious like like it's more about it's more about having fun and just liking yeah. what you like you know yeah making money <laughs> <laughs> i'm joking I'm how much yeah how much money are you making now come on tell us uh so far zero, zero. Pounds. Yeah. pounds and well you know a week. Actually, that's actually, a week though a week so. that's pretty good so a couple of weeks you've still got zero so three weeks <laughs> actually our first record's on spotify so we may have made 0.001 of a pence yeah, yeah. Stream, that's true. <laughs> cool well guys i'm gonna let you go it's been an absolute pleasure i'm gonna do a final shout out to the over everything's the over everything's are on instagram their album no solidarity is out there i i strongly recommend it just go give it a listen and look forward to the new stuff that's coming. Um, but guys, thanks very much. It's genuinely been really fun chatting to you. We should meet up again for a beer at some point. Yeah, um, yeah it'd be good to catch up. Thanks a lot for your time. Cheers, man. Cheers, thanks man. so thanks, much. Buddy. It's really nice to talk. No worries. Thanks a lot. See you guys soon. That broke. Bye, bye.